Good mornings, I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up today, put down the phone, it's Distracted Driving Awareness Month. But that's not the only thing drawing your attention away from the road ahead. Are you more distracted than you think you are behind the wheel? Also this morning, nearly one-third of Hancock County residents have been vaccinated, yet we also have the highest rate of new infection in the state, nearly double the number of active cases as just a month ago. Why the sudden surge? We'll speak with Hancock Public Health Commissioner Kareem Baruti. And Top Secret, a collection of classified cases, top secret truths, tricks of the spy trade, and more to keep young readers' brains entertained all spring and summer long from National Geographic Kids. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Tuesday, April 13th, 2021. International Be Kind to Lawyers Day today. Uh, It's also National Library Workers Day, so a big salute to all of the library workers. National Make Lunch Count Day. Make Lunch Count today. Maybe have some peach cobbler for lunch. It is National Peach Cobbler Day, and it is National Scrabble Day. Reasons to celebrate On this Tuesday morning, the 13th of April, 103rd day of 2021, there are 262 days until the end of the year, 48 days until Memorial Day, in case you're interested, and 82 days until 4th of July, which is significant because, you know, that's the time they say that we can declare our independence from the coronavirus, or at least begin to gather with uh, family and friends again and uh, and not worry uh, about becoming super spreaders. At least that's what, they, that's what they keep saying, if you believe the uh, experts. And by the way, speaking of that, this is kind of interesting. Uh, research out of Penn State uh, finds that people who trust TV and social media for their COVID-19 news had less correct information and the least knowledgeable of those were those who rely on Facebook as their main source of information or even just as an additional source. The uh, pandemic has dominated the news over the past year, obviously, but apparently where you get your news about the virus could affect how correct the information is that you get. Hmm. Researchers surveyed nearly 6,000 people. Now, this is just in the state of Pennsylvania, but the generally general accepted theorem is that the uh, results would be pretty much the same wherever around the country. So they surveyed 6,000 people in Pennsylvania, this is Penn State researchers, um, between March 25th and March 31st of 2020, which is two weeks after the pandemic was declared. And they found that those who trusted government health websites for their news about the pandemic were the most knowledgeable. Those who trusted TV news were less likely to have correct information, and Facebook users were even less likely to have accurate info. Now, the Facebook part is probably not surprising because there's a lot of conspiracy theories out there. But I'd be very interested to see how this will sit. I mean, think about this. And they're saying, 
You can trust Facebook the least and then uh, broadcast news and then government health websites. I don't know. Anytime you put the words government and trust together, I think you're going to find people who will push back against that. But as for who they trust in pandemic-related news, 42.8% in the survey cited government websites, health-related governments, the CDC, World Health Organization, and so on. 27% said that they trust television the most, broadcast news. And health system communications were third at 9.3%. So, your local doctor, local hospital websites, local health department, that kind of thing, at 9.3%. Well, no, I actually, I, I should go back and, and walk that back a little bit. When you talk about health system communications, that would be like the doctor, the uh, hospital, that kind of thing. Not necessarily health department. I guess that would probably fall under the government category, wouldn't it? It's local government, but government nonetheless. Anyway, uh, kind of interesting to see who people are trusting and uh, who is trustworthy, according to research at uh, Penn State. Uh, Some of the uh, other most interesting and buzzworthy news to get your morning started. You remember yesterday on the program, we were talking about women who are increasingly becoming the breadwinners in their family as opposed to just working a second job to bring in extra income. Um, Many more women, as a matter of fact, almost half of women in uh, families are their family's main breadwinner. Almost half uh, of families of women is the main breadwinner. Uh, And we were talking yesterday with the author of the book Think Like a Breadwinner, uh, which basically... Trying to send the message to women that you should take your financial situation seriously, take financial planning seriously, plan for the future, all of that thinking like a breadwinner. And uh, this kind of goes back to that. If you remember that story, research from Ohio State. Uh, researchers did a survey in which Uh, Married couples had to identify the household member with the most knowledge about household finances. And men generally still seen as the experts when it comes to money issues in the home. Now, it is is kind of interesting. In 2016, 56% of husbands were designated the most knowledgeable. That was 2016. Uh, up from 53% in 1992 when they asked the question, and 49% in 1995. So they keep bouncing back and forth. But among households with the top 1% of net worth, the husband was designated as the most knowledgeable in 90% of the households. And again, uh, 2016, the most recent data on this. As to why we're just learning about it now, Uh, I don't know, but I thought that was uh, really interesting. Among households with the top 1% of net worth, the husband designated as the most knowledgeable on household finances in 90% of households. So just uh, kind of interesting and, uh, again, speaks to the topic that we were talking about yesterday in the uh, program with respect to that. A couple of other items here off the uh, Newswire. Get your morning started. Uh, You know, during the pandemic, Uh, Kids have been remote learning and 
they're probably getting tired of it. I know parents in many cases getting tired of remote learning days. Fortunately, around here, they, most kids are, are back in class most days, if not five days a week. It's three or four the majority of uh, days of the week. However, this is kind of, that's not the case everywhere. In some places, schools are still closed. Kids are still remote learning for over a year now. And in the, uh, let's see here, the Spanish region of Murcia, is that how you pronounce it? I have to admit, I, I'm not familiar, but in, in Spain, basically, they are trying to come up with new ways of re-energizing kids for learning. Now, they can't have them back in class quite yet in the regular setting, so they have come up with an option. In this uh, region of Spain, they are, it says, after a year of remote learning and socially distanced classroom, one school is holding class on the beach. (laughs) They say it combines clean air and a new way of teaching. Outside the Felix Rodriguez de la Fuente school, Mask-wearing children sit before a portable blackboard at rows of green desks neatly spaced out on the sandy shores of the local beach. It is safe and the children are having great fun, says English teacher Juan Francisco Martinez. Uh, What they learn here, he says, they don't forget. (laughs) I guess you could make that argument. They learn it there. It sticks with them. Uh, Some barefoot pupils can be seen wiggling their toes in the sand uh, while others uh, crouching over their workbooks to prevent the breeze from blowing their papers out to sea. But other than that, (laughs) that would be one negative. (laughs) Blow blow all the papers out into the ocean. But, you know, other than that, but how cool is that? I mean, if you've got a beach, why not uh, take advantage of it? They're having class on the beach there. Um, and how about this? Would you be interested in secondhand shoes being sold at discount prices? Nike uh, says they are now going to resell returned sneakers at a discount in select stores. Company says it is an effort to help reduce waste as part of an initiative announced yesterday. Nike will accept returned shoes, either lightly worn or with a manufacturing flaw, something like that, and then they will clean and sanitize them and put them back on the shelves at a discount because they will disclose that they have been perhaps lightly worn, but the uh, shoes be resold in select stores uh, at discounted prices. There are eight stores currently in this pilot program, selling the return shoes in the U.S., but the company says that will expand to 15 locations by the end of the month, and if it is successful, they continue to uh, roll it out. You know, we have secondhand uh, returned items that go back on store shelves in many other product categories, so why not shoes? I don't know. Would that be something that you would do if it was lightly worn, if you couldn't really tell that they had been... That shoes have been uh, worn. And I guess it makes sense that in the past uh, they would return shoes and just destroy them. 
I mean, everybody's had that, right? You you buy, especially these days when you buy things online, they come in and they don't quite fit the way you expected them to, or they don't quite, you know, meet your style the way you thought they would by the pictures online. The more online shopping we have, the more of these types of returns you, you're going to have. And uh, maybe they were only worn around the house for a couple of days, or maybe you wore them out once and decided, oh, no, I, I don't like these. Um, you send them back, it seems uh, just seems wrong to destroy them, throw them out, so they're going to resell them. But but would you, is there a sanity? I mean, they're going to sanitize them, clean them, and all of that. But I don't know. It'll be interesting to see if, uh, if that catches on. But uh, there you go. Some of the most interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your Tuesday morning started. WFIM News, I'm John Marshall. The WTOL 11 first alert forecast is calling for sunny skies today and a high 66, partly cloudy tonight with a low 42. Authorities in Finley terminated the pursuit of a stolen vehicle when they lost sight of it, later to find out it had crashed into a retention pond. The pursuit started around 3 o'clock Sunday morning and went through Findlay at a high rate of speed. Authorities say that they lost sight of the vehicle when it crossed over I-75 on West Sandusky, and the pursuit was terminated. Then later Sunday morning, police learned that the suspect had driven into a retention pond in the area and died. Get more on our website. The University of Findlay is holding COVID vaccine clinics for its students, and some UF students are even helping administer the vaccine. Tara Smith is Director of Health Services for the university. We have our health profession students from the nursing department, uh, pharmacy and physician assistants coming and helping us administer the vaccines, and it's great clinical experience for them. A total of four clinics are being held, with the fourth one scheduled for tomorrow. Students interested in being vaccinated should check their email for instructions on how to register. The Ohio Department of Transportation is letting drivers know that a stretch of Interstate 75 in Findlay will be reduced to one lane for a few hours tonight. ODOT says I-75 southbound between County Road 99 and U.S. 224 Trenton Avenue will be reduced to one lane tonight from 7 to midnight. The left lane will be open for traffic and the right two lanes will be closed. The lane closures are necessary to allow for pavement testing operations. The Ohio State Buckeyes spring game is coming up this weekend and some fans will be in the stands. Head coach Ryan Day talks about adjusting to the changes being thrown their way. We had to adjust with no fans. Uh, and then we kind of got used to that. Now we have to adjust to having fans again. Thank goodness that, uh, you know, we're able to get some people in the stands looking forward to uh, have our guys play in front of a crowd. Capacity will be capped at around 19,000 for the spring game and 10,000 of those seats will be frontline workers. Masks will be required. The spring game is Saturday at noon and will be broadcast on 1330 WFIN and 95.5 FM. I'm John Marshall, WFIN News. Our cover story this morning, put down that phone. It is Distracted Driving Awareness Month. Finley Police Department Crime Prevention Officer Brian White uh, with us in the uh, studio this morning. Brian, thanks very much for uh, taking the time. We appreciate it. Good morning, Chris. Thanks for having um, me. You know, we, so much attention is, uh, is pay, uh, 
put on on phone use, mobile device uh, use uh, behind the wheel. And obviously, that is uh, probably the number one concern when it comes to distracted driving. But this is not a new issue, and uh, it is not always the phone that is uh, providing the distraction behind the wheel. Absolutely. Uh, The big focus is obviously cell phones. Uh, That's what everyone pictures when we talk about distracted driving. Mm -hmm. But like you mentioned, distractions have been around for a long time in vehicles. When we're driving a car, our full attention should be on the road uh, rather than everything else going on. So Mm -hmm. whether or not it's friends in the car or the little ones in the backseat bouncing around or someone putting on makeup while they're driving, there's lots of things that serve as a distraction. Could even be, you know, fiddling with the radio. We always say you keep your radio on (laughs) 95.5 or on 1330 and you just leave it there. You don't ever have to worry about that. Uh, But, you know, eating, uh, you know, all kinds of things that people do behind the wheel that, as you say, take our attention uh, away from uh, the road ahead. Absolutely. And if you go on uh, social media or YouTube, not when you're driving, of course, right? and you look up distracted driving stories, there's a bunch of different things out there. One of the things that I do when I go into the schools is talk with uh, kids about distracted driving, why it's a problem, not necessarily because they're driving a car, but because maybe they're in a car with someone who is. And one of the stories I always bring up is a video of a gentleman reading a book and highlighting the book while he's driving a car. (laughs) It's hard to hard to imagine. You know, it's funny. uh, I I even remember a Brady Bunch uh, episode where uh, Greg gets into an accident because he's reading the liner notes on the back of an album that he just uh, bought. So, I mean, this has been around for uh, for decades. Um, So how do you you know, how do you break it? Because we all do it. Uh, At some point, we allow ourselves to get uh, distracted. How do you well, it's one of those things that will always be around. There's yeah. no way we can curb this completely. However, bringing the attention to it, for mm-hmm. instance, uh, April being uh, Distracted Driving Awareness Month. Right. Now that the weather's getting better, everyone's looking to go on vacation, mm-hmm. spending more time in vehicles. It's a good time to remind everyone just to be thinking about it. Right. Now, uh, with respect to the cell phones, mobile devices are the number one uh focus of this and like you said it's the thing that we all think of and and that is maybe most prevalent today in terms of the distractions behind the wheel there is a uh, bill in uh, as i think it's part of the uh, uh the governor's uh, budget proposal that would uh, make this a primary offense that, that's uh, correct you know using your uh, mobile device while you're behind the wheel absolutely sure uh, current law is a secondary offense mm-hmm. so we would have to have another offense where not it's a um, uh, mark lane's violation or speed violation to stop right. someone and then address that issue with the cell phone the phone use and the current law only addresses the sending or receiving of a text message yeah so that's that, the other thing that it, with only a very few exceptions, uh, it would be any use of absolutely. a mobile device uh, behind the wheel. Now, that being said, for individuals under the age of 18, it is a primary. That's offense. correct. Uh, for yeah. anyone under the age of 18 right now, it is a primary offense. We're just having that cell phone in their hand mm-hmm. can uh, warrant a stop by law enforcement. Yeah. So these are the things legally that we need to be uh, made aware of. Now, all of that being said, um, I, I also uh, wonder if... Is there some balance uh, that, that we need to strike, too? Because I can remember uh, back in my driver's education courses eons ago having the conversation about uh, being hypnotized by the road and and sometimes needing to look away or sure. have some minor distractions so you don't just become sort of foggy-eyed. Sure, absolutely. I, I think everyone has been there at some point where you're just driving along, not really mm-hmm. paying attention, and you kind of snap to it, and you're like, oh, yeah. you know, you, you're yeah. aware of what's going on. What suddenly. happened during the, the 
past mile or two that I was behind the the wheel. What did did I pass something or yeah? Yep, that, and this was actually a study done on the, our interstate systems a while back about how a very long road that just goes straight and there's mm-hmm. not really much going on can actually lower you into that. Uh, that kind that of hypnotic days. state. Yeah. So uh, again, that's the other, uh, maybe the exact opposite of the uh, of the issue, but also can be a very dangerous situation. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So again, just a good reason to remind people to you know uh, pay attention, especially put the cell phones down. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's probably one of the biggest things, and especially in our world, everyone is. Uh, I don't want to say addicted to technology, but... No, you can say addicted to technology. I think (laughs) it's universal, yeah. Yeah, As soon as they hear that uh, buzzing on the phone or the ding, they have to pick it up immediately and see what's going on just to to stay connected. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, just like they say with the the slogans, that text can wait. You know, your life is more important. Yeah, no no question. Um, And also, with respect to all of the technology that we have in our vehicles, some of it is a a good thing. I mean, I think of uh, navigation uh, apps that actually probably make the roads safer if they're used properly. Absolutely. And uh, vehicle manufacturers are constantly changing their safety features in the car, and they are addressing these uh, distracted driving concerns by making everything accessible. Uh, Although sometimes uh, some of the systems are almost too complex to to operate, but... They're putting everything on the wheel. That way, you can change the station right from your steering wheel without mm-hmm. having to divert your to attention. To take your hands off the off the wheel. The, with things like navigation and and so on, the the key there though is making sure that you're entering your destination before you start out. Correct. Because it's really easy to kind of justify that while you're driving, saying, "Oh, well, I'm." You know, I'm setting up my navigation. Correct. I know my vehicle, it will not allow any inputs after the vehicle is moving. Mm -hmm. So a lot of vehicle manufacturers are doing the same thing. Yeah. It's also important not to completely rely on technology. I mean, we've all heard these stories about someone driving off into a (laughs) pond somewhere because because they're following the directions. Getting getting lost. I've actually had that happen where uh, I've I've gotten lost because of the navigation is uh, taking me not where it's supposed to. Um, But again, recognizing the... The, the benefits of some of this technology, but using it in a uh, in a safe way. And I know one of the uh, controversies has been uh, holding the device in your hand versus hands-free use of these devices. Sure. Is there any statistical difference in terms of the distraction level if you're using it uh, like uh, hands-free versus holding it in your hand? Well, I can't speak to statistics at this point, but I can say in personal experience, yes, 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 it makes a difference. Um, The classic uh, driver's ed where they say 10 and 2, both hands on the wheel, Mm -hmm. that's especially important when we're talking about a distraction or uh, object that pops up right in front of you. You got to make some kind of evasive action to get around it. Mm -hmm. Uh, If you have one hand on the wheel and another hand on your uh, cell phone, a lot of problems can happen just from dropping the cell phone. Then you have an air distraction, and that does kind of force your attention it uh, does. to the to the road when you have both hands on the wheel. It does. Whenever we do our in service uh, training for um, pursuit driving, that's mm-hmm. one of the things that we have to do is keep both hands on the wheel. Yeah, uh, because it really does make an effective uh, steering. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, something that we all kind of take for granted, and when we talk about all of these things that can be distractions behind the wheel, again, these are even the little things that we have to have to think of that we don't normally 
even give a second thought to. Yeah, absolutely. And there is a lot more cars on the road than there used to be. Right. And one of the common accidents, probably the most common crash that we see are what we call assured clear distance crashes. So what that means is that a vehicle or an object stops in front of the driver, they're not mm-hmm. paying attention, and bam, they run into the back of them. And yeah, it only takes a it only takes a moment and as with the other cars on the road, it's like I would tell my kids when they first started driving, it's not you that I don't trust, it's all the other idiots on Absolutely. the road. Because even if you're not using your uh, device, chances are good somebody else out there is, unfortunately. Absolutely. Just yeah. imagine a stop sign, someone playing on their cell phone, doesn't see the stop sign. Right. And, and you know, we talk about this a lot of times in the context of highway driving, where the speeds are greater and obviously, you know, speed can contribute to a, a more dramatic action accident i Absolutely. guess but these things are equally in some cases even more important when we're talking about city driving i, I would say it's more pressing yeah. in the city i think everyone is kind of familiar that when you're driving that fast your attention needs to be on the road but when we get in town speeds are lower we're not really thinking let our about guard it down. yeah yeah absolutely yeah. Let our guard. I, I, and we're closer to home we're we're more safe. Mm-hmm. We feel secure. And and we think because of a slower speed, and I have to admit, I, I've been guilty of this, uh, whereas on the highway, I wouldn't think of reaching for my phone. You know, that ding goes off and you just kind of instinctively reach for it. When you're in town, you don't think because the speeds are slower, but there's a lot more things you can bump into. That's true. Yeah. Uh, when we're talking pedestrians or right. bicyclists, absolutely. you're not going to normally... <laughs> hopefully find those on the interstate system but right in town absolutely yeah so again things to remember for distracted driving awareness month and if you really think about it uh, you are probably more distracted than you think you are behind the wheel so time to kind of focus on this especially as you were saying with uh, spring and summer travel season right around the corner crime prevention officer brian white with us uh, this morning brian thanks very much for dropping by we appreciate glad it. to be here thanks again Now, coming up here in just a bit, we're going to speak with Hancock Public Health Commissioner Kareem Baroudi, get an update on vaccine efforts locally and uh, the spread of the coronavirus. Uh, Before we get to all of that, in case you missed it, kind of want to refresh your memory on this, uh, or uh, if you missed it, I want to bring you up to speed because this has to do with what we're going to uh, be speaking with with uh, the uh, health commissioner. On Wednesday of last week on this program, we spoke with Dr. Rosha McCoy, uh, Senior Director for Advancing Clinical Leadership and Quality at the Association of American Medical Colleges about the persistent questions and some kind, sometimes misguided concerns that are keeping some people from getting their COVID-19 vaccination. Some of the uh, apprehension is very understandable. I mean, you are asking people to inject into their bodies a vaccine that has technically not been FDA approved. Emergency use authorization is not the same thing as full FDA approval. What is the difference? What What step has been skipped? Sure. And I, and I totally agree with you, Chris, that it's very reasonable for people to have questions um, every this is a new vaccine, and you know we should never discount people's questions. We want people to be informed, healthcare consumers. Um, it, it, I wouldn't say that a step has been skipped. The FDA went through the clinical trials were conducted the very same way. They were just the same number of people we would have had in a uh, in a normal trials, and these were normal trials. Thousands of people of all different uh, diversity and ethnic backgrounds, and. The, the piece that, that really 
helped is because there was there was a lot of funding for this vaccine. There was a lot of support from the very beginning. Scientists knew that this is what was going to get us out of the pandemic. And so there was just a lot of support. And they also used science that had already been in the works for other uh, similar viruses um, like the SARS and MERS that you may have heard of and, mm-hmm. and Ebola, Ebola, actually. This is the science was similar to what was used for the Ebola vaccine. So that sped things up quite a bit. Now, really, the, the main issue is time. Um, we The emergency use authorization is given when all the clinical trial data seems very good um, and complete, but now the, the uh, companies are collecting more data as they're giving the vaccine, and all of that will come back to the FDA to review, which most of all of that is very public as well. So we're all hearing about all of that as they're gathering it, and it'll come back to the FDA here pretty soon, I think, for the Pfizer for full authorization, just because they're the ones who are the first out of the gate. It sounds like that implies that what we don't know is uh, the questions over the long-term effects. Some say we just don't know enough yet the vaccine is too new. It's reasonable to think about that. Every All the data that we have, given the fact that the science has, has, was already being studied, so we did, we did know a lot already. Anything we do in life, we have to think about the risks and the benefits. Certainly, we, we could think, well, I want to wait, but if you wait, the risk of getting the disease is very real. So everyone has to weigh the risks and the benefits, and right now the benefits outweigh the risk significantly. There appear to be two camps of people, those who are skeptical of this vaccine particularly and those who object to all vaccines generally. Is there any concern among the medical and science community that the skepticism of this vaccine may lead people to reject other vaccines as well, that the anti-vaxxers are, are using this as a recruitment tool, if you will, for lack of a better term? There is concern. There could be people who use this vaccine and the skepticism um, that some people may have. But the important thing to remember is that all of this is very open. And the other thing is this is the most watched vaccine, right? Partly because of technology, partly because we we are all interested in this vaccine, mm-hmm. that all of the information is coming out. Um, and so people have access to it and we just need to direct them to the right sources. And without delving too deep into the politics of it all, because I know the uh, at the AAMC, your main concern uh, is with public health and you try not to uh, wade into the politics of it. But vaccine passports have become something of a political hot potato uh, lately. Is there any concern that vaccine requirements might backfire and create even more pushback. I do think we need to approach it with caution. I mean, I think just as you said at the beginning, the first thing we need to do is make sure we have honest and open conversations and listen to people's concerns. So I think we we really still have work to do in really talking to people honestly, empathetically, hearing their concerns. While I understand that um, we definitely are going to need some tracking over time uh, of who's had the vaccine so we understand how we can open up more safely. Um, I think the first step is talking to people and educating people and hearing their concerns and having 
having honest conversations. So I think that's the first step, and we still have work to do in that area. Again, our conversation with uh, Dr. Rosha McCoy, the American, the Association of American Medical Colleges, about some of the persistent questions and some kind, sometimes misguided concerns that are keeping some people from getting their COVID-19 vaccination. Some of the highlights of that conversation, you can hear the uh, full interview uh, from this past Wednesday on the program. The Good Mornings podcast edition, go to goodmornings.net and scroll down to this past Wednesday's show. And now we are joined in the studio by Hancock Public Health Commissioner Kareem Baruti to talk about the uh, latest with the uh, vaccination efforts here locally and the unfortunate news uh, that we got last week that uh, Hancock County now has the highest rate of new infection in the state. Uh, nearly double uh, the number of active cases as we had here just a month ago. And, uh, Kareem, thanks for uh, dropping by. First of all, why the sudden sudden surge? What is what is behind that? Because, you know, we uh, got the, the data that uh, nearly one-third of uh, Hancock County residents have been vaccinated. And I, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but it, uh, memory serves that uh, that seems to be about on par with uh, other areas. So why the sudden surge in cases? Um Good morning, Chris, um, and thank you for having me this morning. Um, this is really a good question, and a question that's uh, you know we've been as looking as we look at the numbers, we've been really struggling with um, since we got that surge last week. Um, it all happened quick, um, mm. you know the whole like you said it doubled in ten days. Yeah, um, that's that's a good indicator that a, a more infectious strain is gonna uh, spreading. That was going to be my case. Is, are we attributing that to these new strains? Uh, we're, we're still we we sent some some isolates to to the lab to the CDC to see if that that's you know uh, goes back to the strain, um, but certainly that it's more infectious. It's it's spreading a lot faster than what we've seen in the beginning of the pandemic. Um, I'm sure it's a combination of people who took vacations, little vacations, and spring break mm-hmm. um, came back. Um, people who are start to kind of lose interest in and in keeping the guard up until enough right. people are vaccinated. Yeah. We, we've talked about it's that. It's a little combination of things. People who don't are not fully vaccinated yet, um, you know, uh, feeling a little more comfortable. So mm-hmm. it's it's it all. I think it's it's a multiple things that that contributed to that. The, the reason the reason I'm bringing it up is because uh, obviously it presents a challenge because uh, logically you would think as the number of vaccinations goes up, the number of cases should come down, and we've not seen it. So that again, uh, as we were talking about a little bit before, um, you know, plays into some of the misperceptions, perhaps. Absolutely, and and you know, um, this is a good point because we've seen a. a a decrease in the number of infections in the people who are fully vaccinated. Um, the 80s and above, the 70s and above that we started back in in, um, in December, um, we've almost seen very, very minimal, um, you know, increase in that. Which respect. is interesting because that's where a lot of the infections were early on. So you've seen uh, a different phase a complete, right now. almost yeah. a complete elimination of that. And now the challenge is getting younger folks. Absolutely, and this this is this is a great proof that uh, that the vaccine is working. It's mm-hmm. working on the groups who are fully vaccinated, fully immune right now, um, and uh, we need to continue the push here. Uh, as we mentioned, about a third of Hancock County residents have been uh, vaccinated. Are uh, is that about where you expected to be at this point? 
Uh, yes, I think uh, I did talk a little bit last week about, you know, the demand softening a little bit, which is kind of a normal phase, um, you know, in the push for the vaccine or the vaccine campaign. Now we're going to focus more. Uh, I think the people who really wanted the vaccine got it, those 30, 35 percent who, mm-hmm. who wanted the vaccine got it. Uh, now the demand is uh, softening a little bit for different reasons. Maybe it's inconvenience, um, you know, people. Uh, so so we're, fo- we're changing strategy a little bit and we're focusing more on pockets and gaps that uh, uh, of individuals who did not have a chance to get the vaccine. Yeah, one of the uh, actually a couple of uh, vaccine clinics that are coming up this week, one in particular. Uh, targeting students, right? So. Six, Sixteen and above. We did we did survey the schools uh, with the with the help of the school superintendents last week, um, and it looks like there's um, uh, there's a, a demand or interest in in, in uh, you know with parents and guardians giving the vaccines to their teenagers. Mm-hmm. Uh, we know the Pfizer is approved for sixteen and above, um, so uh, we are organizing clinic at the uh, at the Blanchard Valley Hospital. Uh, tomorrow um, after school from three to eight uh, to make sure we accommodate those uh, those individuals who wanted to get the vaccine. Now, is that one uh, where because the other uh, clinic that you have, which is coming up uh, at at Fifty North, that's a walk in clinic, right? So you don't necessarily have to have an appointment on that. Right. Um, the, the one at Blanchard Valley, you will need an appointment. You will need for that. The okay. link, you can make an appointment a couple, couple ways. There's a link posted on our website. You just go to the link and pick a good time um, to, uh, to kind of register you, uh, you and your students if you want to to, 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 get your, to get your vaccine. And again, that's the uh, most recent addition to the uh, uh, availability list, uh, you know, being open to everyone 16 uh, plus, so those are the most recent additions. Right. It's it's good to mention, Chris, though that that the the walk-in clinic at Fifty North, we're given Moderna, and the Moderna is not approved for um, under eighteen yet. Good point. So, good point. So uh, eighteen plus on the on the walk-in clinic, and with respect to that, there has also been uh, news of. Uh, vaccine shortages uh there was the story uh, a few weeks ago uh of the lab in i think it was illinois that uh, somehow fouled up some like 15 million doses of the johnson and johnson vaccine mis uh mixed it or mixed a, uh, uh formulated it incorrectly had to throw that out that's led to some uh uh lack of availability in in some cases have we seen any uh decrease in availability we haven't seen any decrease in availability of the vaccine um again um it's on the contrary. We're getting we're getting um, uh, you know more and more vaccines in town, more and more providers now. A lot of the smaller pharmacies have the vaccines, so the vaccine is available. It's just uh, I would ask anybody who didn't consider it the first time to consider it now. Um, there's plenty of opportunity to get it. And again, uh, as you were saying, you've got the walk-in clinic coming uh, up this week. A lot of the pharmacies uh, are are giving it independently. Uh, this is uh, getting to be more universal, sort of like the seasonal flu vaccine, where you can just about get it uh, anywhere, and and that's got to be uh, certainly good news. Are we still on track to, I think, the uh, CDC has been saying that uh, maybe by the 4th of July we'll get to that point where we can have gatherings again and yeah so if, if we keep if we can keep the interest and engagement of the public and get in the vaccine considering the vaccine um, i know a lot of people you know ask your doctor about the vaccine uh, ask trusted sources 
Um, I know earlier you were talking about trusted sources and, and uh, not everything on the internet and, and on Facebook is correct. <laughs> so um, uh, tr if you trust your doctor, trust your, your medical professional uh, in town, trust your, uh, your, uh, your family, talk to them, consider the vaccine. I think it's safe and effective. And in the meantime, again, cycling back to those numbers where Hancock County is at the uh, highest rate of infection in the state by uh, size of population, uh, we, we were mentioning the other day it seems like everyone is sort of taking their turn at the top of the list it seems like every county has been there at one point or another but to that uh, to that end i have to uh, again redouble our efforts to prevent the spread as much as we can absolutely the numbers are the numbers but this is a good indicator that uh, we were we're trending in the wrong direction and uh, i hope that everybody will take a little more seriously until enough people are vaccinated um, herd immunity is is a very important concept in, in public health the more people we are vaccinated the more people the more people are protected again uh hancock public health commissioner kareem baruti with us this morning we've got more information on our webpage as always kareem thanks very much for dropping Thank by you. we appreciate it we interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert a little bit of everything in today's broken news this update and the odd and unusual side of the headlines brought to you as a public service more or less of hancock county veteran services in troop county georgia uh sunday uh, authorities had a big mess on their hands when a tractor-trailer hauling 40,000 pounds of Bud Light overturned and spilled its load onto the highway. 40,000 pounds of beer spilled onto the highway. Police say the crash involved two tractor-trailers, along with a pickup truck and a passenger car. One person, uh, minor injuries, uh, was taken to the hospital for treatment, and uh, the crash is still under investigation. And I would imagine uh, they had no trouble uh, getting uh, people there to help clean up. I would imagine there's all kinds of volunteers. <laughs> every off-duty cop and every call out for volunteers to help clean up. Sign me up. Uh, elsewhere in the broken news. This is something you don't see every day. A, a big flock of wild roosters has apparently taken over. One town in Northern California, Cotati residents, say it is a rooster invasion. <laughs> Those are words that you just don't hear very often in the news. It is a rooster invasion with well over a dozen of the birds cockle-doodling every, every morning before the break of dawn. They're just cockle-doodling uh, till their heart's content and it's driving everybody crazy. Though they can be a nuisance, many folks maintain that they are harmless and they... Uh, some say uh, that they do add to the charm of the town. The roosters starting started appearing last month and seem to prefer strolling the neighborhood surrounding Old Redwood Highway and uh, Gravenstein Way. So folks in that uh, section of town are bearing the brunt of the rooster invasion. <laughs> I just wanted to report that story because I wanted to use the words rooster invasion. Dateline, um, Concord, North Carolina, a former Walmart employee is accused of intentionally crashing through the store after she was fired back in February. Uh, police say 32-year-old Lacey Gentry earlier this month allegedly drove his vehicle into the Concord Walmart and drove not just through the doors, but down the aisles. 
and it, everywhere he could go, just driving his car right down the aisles of the Walmart caused extensive damage. The store had to be closed. Fortunately, no one was injured. Uh, Mr. Gentry has been charged with breaking and entering an assault on a government official with a deadly weapon, uh, in this case uh, being his automobile. And uh, I can't imagine why they would have let him go. Uh, I, it's, it's hard to believe that he would have been fired. He seems like such a stable individual. Can't uh, can't believe that they would let that guy go. Here is your uh, viral video news story of the day. And this is a word of caution. If you have any exercise equipment in your home that is perhaps near an exterior window, you might want to make sure that your neighbors aren't seeing anything that could be interpreted as uh, questionable activity. One TikTok user, Natasha Christina, posted a video that her friend took that shows her shadow silhouette as she rides her stationary bike in her living room, but it looks like she is, uh, well, in this case, it looks like she's repeatedly being pushed up against the window uh, in some sort of uh, other activity, shall we say. (laughs) Hadn't really thought about that, but I can see where that might uh, give neighbors the wrong impression if they happen to be looking through the window at the time one person commented are you sure you were riding your your bike or you just are saying that so that you could <laughs> move that exercise equipment away from the window word of advice and finally in the broken news this morning This from the international file from New Delhi, India. A band of thieves who trained a gang of wild monkeys to steal cash, valuables, and other shiny things from easy targets is finally behind bars. Police say two men operating a crime circuit in the Indian capital of New Delhi trained the wild monkeys to rob people blind, making off with cash and sometimes food. One such incident happened Last month, where the men used the monkeys to intimidate a lawyer to fork over fork over six thousand rupees, which is about eighty dollars in U.S. funds. Basically, the men jumped onto the rickshaw that the lawyer was traveling in and let let the monkeys' sharp teeth do the intimidating. According to police, when the victim was sitting in an auto rickshaw. The men got in with him and asked one monkey to sit on the front seat and another at the back. They took all the money the lawyer had in his wallet and fled with the monkeys. <laughs> I just the idea of training wild monkeys to rob, uh, you know, to do all your dirty work for you. Thankfully, the men's crime spree has come to an end thanks to the help of a special task force designed to take them down. Basically, they needed people specialized to handle the strange case involving the monkeys. Even in India, they don't see this very often. The men were arrested last week, and their monkeys were confiscated. They are already, they say, enjoying their new life at an animal sanctuary. A third suspect has been linked to the crime ring and remains at large. Police also note lockdown has made the wild monkeys roaming the areas even more aggressive Because with less people out and about, that means less food being fed to them by charmed tourists. So it appears the primates will do anything to get a meal, 
even getting hired as the muscle for petty thieves. Now, I can honestly say I think that's one effect of the pandemic that we did not see coming. I think it's safe to say that we did not expect that. There you go. Uh, That is today's broken news report. Uh, Brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veterans Services. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. The COVID vaccines are making the rounds, and you may be wondering what it will be like post-pandemic. Maybe you like working from home. Will you still be able to do it? Will we still have to wear masks and stay distance? Will we be able to go into ball games or concerts or be able to visit a friend in the hospital? You have questions, and that's why we're committed to keeping you up to date with the latest information. It's here at 1330 WFIN, 95.5 FM, and at WFIN.com. Time now for your daily download. The numbers behind the news and the interesting statistics that shape our lives. Have you been snacking more over the last year than you usually would? Uh, Data shows that indeed, yes, there has been a big snacking boom during the pandemic. And the eating trends largely driven by younger consumers, interestingly enough. Data from... Beverage and snack food giant Coca-Cola shows that 73% of millennials and Gen Zers admit that they have snacked more during the pandemic. And kind of interesting as a sidebar, nearly half of the people that they polled said that they would walk over a mile for a sweet or a salty snack. <laughs> well, if we had to do that, at least we would be getting some exercise. But unfortunately, normally it doesn't. you don't have to walk a mile. Just walk to the kitchen, to the pantry, and... There it is. In any event, these uh, findings from Coca-Cola's survey complement a recent survey from PepsiCo's Frito-Lay division, which found 40% of Americans admit that they are snacking more on a regular basis than they even did during the Super Bowl, which is typically a big snacking day. And that's more the norm rather than the exception these days. Frito-Lay shipped more than 70 million pounds of snacks in the week leading up to the big game to meet the expected demand. And now, like I said, that is more the the rule rather than the exception. Also, many snack brands have taken note of the surge in snacking and used celebrities to boost interest in some of their new products. I mean, after all, if we're going to be snacking, they're not going to waste the opportunity to sell us new stuff. Recently, General Mills noted that Despite snack sales dipping last quarter, they are optimistic that the changes in consumer behaviors driven by the COVID-19 pandemic are here to stay. Now, nutrition experts hope that that is not the case, but certainly the snack food manufacturers hope that, yes, we are going to be snacking more moving forward, that we have gotten ourselves into that habit, and they want us to keep doing it Uh, Health experts say we need to get back on track. So, I mean, make of that what you will, whichever camp you fall into. But it is certainly true that we are snacking more. And it appears that that, um, what do they call it? The the COVID-15, the COVID-19 with a a weight loss or the uh, the weight gain. You know, they have the freshman 15 when you go to, kids first go to college. Uh, They're referring it to as the uh, COVID-19 Uh, With the weight gain kind of a play on words. Apparently, it's a real thing. 
Well, you want to keep your kids' brains active all summer long? Put them on the trail of evidence waiting to be discovered all around the world. Top Secret is the latest title from National Geographic Kids with all the tricks of the spy trade, the scoop behind sleuthing, all kinds of skills, cold cases and hidden places, mysteries, undiscovered histories, and so much more. Author Crispin Boyer is with us this morning. And Crispin, this really taps into every kid's desire to know something that no one else knows. I mean, even us big kids sometimes like the feeling of being in on something secret and special. Oh, exactly. That that was one of the big goals in the book was to let younger readers discover just something extra, something secret about even ordinary day-to-day things that you know, their siblings or their friends or their parents don't know. And, and that's, that's probably the greatest thrill for a kid is knowing something that they can then tell their mom or dad or yeah. their uncle. And and when we talk about the, the part of the book that goes into kind of the tricks of the spy trade, what are some of the ones that strike you as the most fun, the ones that kids can adapt to their own sleuthing and have the most fun with? Uh, my favorite part is actually coming up with a secret code. And the book offers about five different code systems that have been around for a long time, but to see even more, uh, I guess, top secret nowadays that we're just relying on new technology like cell phones and texting. These codes rely on paper <laughs> and writing things <laughs> down and possibly using invisible ink, which makes them even more mysterious. So, uh, yeah, just being able to then write codes to your friends and giving them the the cipher so they can decode them, I think is a lot of fun for, for aspiring young spies. Yeah. Uh, as we mentioned, there are those stories in the book about cold cases, real life mysteries and such. Again, the idea here to get the imagination flowing, not to raise a new generation of conspiracy theorists, right? You're not teaching kids how to make <laughs> tinfoil hats or anything. Uh, no, no. In fact, um, you know, I did cover some conspiracy theories in the book, but none of them are really modern. They're more kind of older, fun. Uh, maybe some of the, the more recent ones are about you know pen trails uh, being the you know the, the trails left by planes where the government plot to control our minds and, and things like that. I, I go yeah. into kind of what really chem trails are, which is just you know well, just condensation in the air. It's kind of boring, but yeah, and, <laughs> uh, and, 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 yeah. I'm, no, I was going to say, and to, an, to an extent, I mean, really, it's the exact opposite. I mean, by showing uh, kids uh, and, and helping them understand what the real story is uh, can help kind of curb some of those uh, things they might be otherwise inclined to buy into. Right. Yeah, that sometimes the truth is actually fairly straightforward. And really, secret societies and, and really in-depth conspiracies are just, so they'd be so hard to maintain. There'd be so armies and armies of people would need to all be in on it, and no one would would spill the beans. It's just very improbable. Yeah. <laughs> and so yeah, I think the, the book gets some perspective on that. But at the same time, it goes into a lot of fun uh, stories about uh, supposed government cover-ups of crashed UFOs and, and yeah. you know, their development of secret weapons and, and even you know some hoaxes involving Bigfoot and things like that. Just a, I just wanted to have like a, a huge variety of, of top-secret topics so that uh, 
readers can if they don't like a certain you know say they don't want to learn too much about yeah government spies well, as well they can flip the page and learn about UFOs yeah and it, it, yeah again it all uh, gets the imagination flowing which is the idea and it's not just the the spine tingling mysteries either you have some more benign things in there like behind the scenes movie magic which is kind of top secret stuff in its own right exactly or you know the, in the same vein the secrets of truth photography where they They'll use Elmer's glue to simulate milk in, in a picture of a bowl of cereal, and it makes it look better, but you wouldn't want to eat it. So just things like just the kind of secrets that are all around us all the time uh, that the kids might start to think more about, might question more, or even, you know, say they go visit Mount Rushmore, now they'll know that there's a secret room behind Lincoln's right, head. Right, right. Uh, and that's just... Crazy things like that that are just uh, everyday secrets that no one really knows about or talks about. And, and then once that imagination is ignited, there's the how to be a spy activities in the book. You were talking about uh, codes and ciphers uh, a little bit earlier and uh, various ways to get kind of get kids started in ways that as parents, we actually do want to encourage. Yeah, like you said, it just fires up the imagination, you know, it's, the readers want to create a spy network with their friends, have secret codes, experiment with some different uh, costumes, ways to change their appearance. It's just, yeah, it's just all fun, uh, fun way to, to kind of fire up their imagination so it's not just, you know, playing video games or watching TV or, yeah. or doing that kind of thing all day. Because yeah, because again, you know, how many times do we talk about ways to get kids excited about things like uh, science and learning and study? And there are real life fields of study in this area, like cryptology and forensics and and so on. And so, you never know when you might spark, uh, you know, some sort of lifelong uh, avocation here. Exactly. Yeah, and then. Uh Someday I might be interviewing them about a book. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's just a, that, that's, that's like half the fun. It's just seeing, finding something in, in here that, that piques your interest and then following the thread uh, and, and you know, continuing that down that, uh, down that road in, in other books or other research. So, so yeah, it's really just, just there to, to, get, to get them thinking. And uh, again, a great way to keep kids' brains active and give them something to do all summer long because this is one of those things that once the imagination is jump-started, who knows where it might go from there. Again, Top Secret, the latest title from National Geographic Kids. Crispin Boyer with us this morning. And where do we learn more about the book? You can go to natgeokids.com. It's also on Amazon. Go on Amazon, check it out, see a preview. Crispin, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it. Thank you. Had a great time. And that is our podcast for today. I want to thank all of our guests for joining us on the program this morning. Remember, you can get more information about all of the topics that we talk about each day on the show at our webpage, goodmornings.net. We are always on 24-7 on the World Wide Web. As you know, until tomorrow morning, that is Good Mornings for this morning. And now that you've had a good morning, go on out and make it a good day. We'll catch you back here tomorrow. Tomorrow.